like, oh, daddy, I didn't give, I, I used my wish to wish for your happiness, aka you need to get married. Um, and like, even at the end where, you know, she's on TV giving the speech and Avi's just like, hey, dad, I know you wanted, you were into that girl. Did you tell her? And, and he's like, well, no, I guess I didn't. And she's like, you fucking idiot. You complete moron. You hitch up that one horse open sleigh right now. We are going down to the resort. I'm not going to spend another Christmas motherless. Do you hear me? Like, <laughs> extremely funny. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm the Vice President of Atmosphere. And this week, we close out the year with Falling for Christmas. Before we get amnesia and fall in love with a hot widower, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Housekeeping at the top of the episode. Um, this is our last episode of the year. I might uh, I might air a rerun of one of our previous year-end episodes to keep in the Christmas spirit, because we have enough of those to do that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast <laughs> for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the newsletter will hopefully be back next year. I think I'm back in a cadence enough where I could actually write one. Um, so sign up for it in our show notes. It's great. Um also, next year when we come back in January to talk about Avatar, Way of the Water, mm-hmm. um, we might have a slightly altered f- show format just because we noticed that talking about characters takes us a while. So we're just going to lump that in with the plot summary. It's going to be great. It's going to be a more efficient discussion of the thing that we are uh, enjoying or maybe not enjoying. Sometimes we, we, we hit some real humdingers. As we talk about the end of the year episodes, a lot of those were not enjoyable. <laughs> No, except for Princess Switch. Those are fucking great. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my housekeeping. Layla. Aaron. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Oh, it is time once again to watch a cheesy Christmas rom-com as we've been doing for the past couple years. Um, no, unfortunately, the legendary... Uh, uh, princess switch 4 has not quite yet uh graced our our screens uh but i think we found uh more than adequate replacement absolutely uh welcome back to the zeitgeist Lindsay lohan uh we did enjoy her her netflix rom-com falling for christmas uh and i did i did genuinely enjoy it no i had a great time this was real really fun it was fun. Uh, I do still, uh, you know, Netflix, uh, Venmo me five grand. Uh, let me punch up the script a little bit because um, it would have gone from really good to excellent um, if they had just let me just tweak it just a little, just a little tiny bit in some spots. Yeah, um, I, I think we, you know, I, we know exactly what to expect and it delivered. And I think that's all you can really ask for with Christmas films. And, um, you know, I had a great time. Uh, I laughed. I cried. Uh, I, I clapped. You, you cried? I did not, I did not actually cry. Okay. <laughs> I put some sad faces in my notes, uh, but that was about you it. You did do that, yeah. Um, uh, Layla, mm-hmm. do you want to tell us and our listeners, um, what happens in this, this great film? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Lindsay Lohan plays, uh, Sierra Belmont, 
uh, a, a hotel heiress who um, is, you can tell, spoiled, but has a good core to her. You know, she's not, like, mean. She's just used to the finer things in life. Mm -hmm. uh, and Sierra Belmont and her influencer boyfriend, Tad, go on a, a romantic little photo shoot ski trip where Tad proposes to her with a ring that's too big. Unfortunately, uh, despite being the heiress to a fucking ski resort, uh, Sierra doesn't know how to ski, so she starts sliding backwards and falls off a cliff. Uh, Tad also falls off the same cliff in a different direction. So while Tad, uh, finds a, a fisherman, uh, poacher named Ralph and, uh, hikes back to town with Ralph, um, in a relationship that I did thought was, did think was going to culminate in a romance, but did not, uh, um, sadly. Sadly, Lindsay Lohan falls and hits her head and has amnesia, uh, which is how she uh, gets picked up by uh, Court Overstreet's character, Jake, who runs a homely, beautiful uh, little resort called the North Star. And in the beginning of the movie, he was trying to get funding from Lindsay Lohan's dad, but unfortunately that didn't happen and now they just don't know how they're going to make ends meet so he takes in poor sierra who again cannot remember her name and his daughter helps her pick out a new name a temp name and uh it's sarah a similarity that i did not really put together until the end of the runtime but that's fine uh so sarah at the amnesiac uh, tries to help out around the house, but because she she lived the life of a spoiled heiress, she doesn't know how to do anything. So, of course, Jake and his mother-in-law, Alejandra, and his daughter have to help her learn how to cook and make the bed and give her the confidence to really, you know, pursue these these little moments in life. And in return, Sarah, who's falling in love with Jake, wants to help him fundraise to keep the North Star open just a little while longer, to preserve the memories of his dead wife, Carla, because, of course, this charitable hunk is also a widower. Now, uh, at the uh, fundraising party that they host for the North Star, Tad and... Uh, Mr. Belmont finally find their missing heiress and they tell her, no, your name is Sierra and you're engaged to this influencer. And they take her back to the Belmont Hotel, but something's different about Sierra now. She makes her own bed. She doesn't want to choose the flashiest outfit. She, she eats makes, bacon. She eats bacon. And in the beginning of the movie, she didn't do bacon, but now she does bacon. And, uh, you know, she breaks up with Tad and she says, don't worry, Tad, I know you. You'll be fine by New Year's. And uh, she tells her father that, no, you know what? She doesn't want his made-up job to be the vice president of Atmosphere. She wants to make her own way. And he's really proud of her. Uh, and that's when Jake comes and confesses his true feelings for, the, for this new woman in his life. And they make out. And it's a happily ever after for everyone, even for Tad, who then uh, starts dating um, the valet of the Belmont, bisexual king. So <laughs> this movie really has everything. It's great. It's great. I I think this is like as we've talked about uh, Princess Switch before, um, and and I think Falling for Christmas kind of falls into the same category. This is it is good that Hallmark has no longer monopolized this genre of like pretty tame Christmas rom coms because like Hallmark does have like a weird Christian um, bent to it. Well, one of their biggest stars is Candace Cameron Bure, who's uh, the daughter of Kirk Cameron. 
uh, yeah, rip. Um, so, like, yeah, I think it is very nice that we're not allowing the fucking evangelicals to to take this genre of film over because it is genuinely delightful. Like, I, I understand that there are definitely folks who are like, you know, firstly, not Christian or, or you know, so, so, you know, do not want to engage in this holiday. And that's completely fine. But like, I, I'm always down for a kind of like sweet and funny and kind of generally joyful and celebratory movie that always kind of follows similar tropes. And falling for falling for Christmas does it, and uh, I loved every single fucking trope that it that it hit because it hits most, if not all, of them, and I cheered every single time. Yeah, this would have been a fun drinking game. Just take a drink every time. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Uh, um, I mean, listen. Uh, one of my uh, Twitter friends, Lori Stark, used to run a, a Hallmark Christmas podcast where she and her partner. Um, would watch all of the Hallmark movies that came out like every holiday season. It was like something like 40 movies within a span of 40 days, like something absurd. Uh, she no longer does that because that sounds nightmarish, but like, um, like, you, you know, like I want, I recommend you look up, um, a very Hallmark Christmas podcast, which is defunct now, but it still has some great episodes out. But like, yeah, I, I mean, just like you, you can see that it follows kind of a schedule and, um, you know, just a really delightful, you know methodical you know breaking down of all these these fun patterns yeah um i mean like uh, that's one of my favorite uh, my brother my brother and me bits too is uh oh yeah uh, that's a christmas a movie. to yeah. me yeah uh incredible i was there live for one of them uh, i want to oh, see a live show in austin that owns. it's quite good um yeah no hallmark movies i think are great i love a cheesy christmas uh rom-com even though like i don't love christmas as a holiday if you know me personally you know i'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a grinch um and just have a, a poor personal history with the holiday but uh you know i'm, I'm working on it I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my my mojo back and i think falling for christmas and the princess switch movies have really done a lot of uh therapeutic repair uh in the relationship between me and and uh the rebirth of christ um mm-hmm. So, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Lindsay Lohan's uh, return to the big screen as Sierra slash Sarah Belmont. I mean, that's the thing, right? Sierra is you know your stuck up heiress who doesn't is not you know is not down to earth enough. Although she kind of wants something more than this, you know the the privileged life she's been given. She's not a workaholic like you might see as the as the protagonist of these movies is often cast. Um, but like, you know, she is a little bit disconnected from the things that truly make her happy. You know, you can tell that like, she doesn't have a great relationship with Tad. He's kind of shitty. Um, and you know, I think that as she, she hits her head and gets amnesia and she begins to understand the true meaning of, of, you know, finding satisfaction in oneself and one's relationships with others, um, you know, she is able to become a good person. And you know what? I think this just goes to show that um, learning how to make your bed and do the dishes is is character building. My my mom and my dad were right. <laughs> Doing chores is good for you, actually. Yeah. So here's um, the first of my punch up suggestions. Um, this character should have been should have taken some notes from Sharpay Evans. I think she should have been more obnoxious mm-hmm. um, because you could tell immediately that there was something like like core good to Sierra Belmont, which I think is fine. But if you really wanted to punch up this, this little shtick you got going here, I think she should have been more obnoxious, more aligned with Tad's whole thing. But her dad who asks her at the end of the movie, as he says, 
Uh, she apologizes for not telling him about the engagement with Tad. She didn't have a chance to. Obviously, she, like, mm-hmm. fell and hit her head. Um, and he found out from Tad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, it's fine as long as you're happy. You are happy, right? I think that would have been a good refrain to set up in the beginning of the film. Right. If when he first meets Tad and discusses her relationship with Tad and discusses the way she's living her life, uh, which, again, she's, like, never had a job. Um, you know, she's, she, he wants her to be the vice president of Atmosphere just to, like, give her a title and, and like, put something on her resume. Mm-hmm. I think maybe having called out the fact that she's, like, you know, well in her 30s or, you know, probably early 40s and uh, hasn't had a job and, and be like, are you happy living life the way that you are? Are you happy with Tad? Just, like, keep hammering into her, like, are you happy to give her something to think about and give her a reason to feel disconnected from this life. Um, I think that would have uh, that, that would have given me a little bit more to cling to because it just felt um, a little a little off in the beginning. It took me it took me a minute to get into this movie, but once I got into it, I was in. I think the one review I did accidentally catch because I really was trying to abstain from anything. <laughs> do with like content about falling for christmas um the one review i did accidentally catch called Lindsay lohan's performance self-conscious and i think it did feel like that at times like it felt a little too restrained because a lot of the comedic timing that this movie had was very mean girls and there is like a mean girls callback with jingle bell rock um where she starts singing it and um it just felt like she felt restrained. So I wish she had had a little more rehearsal time. I wish the script was punched up a little bit more and gave her like just easier concepts to work with because this is her first time back on screen in like forever. Of course, she's going to be self-conscious. Um, but yeah, so I liked her at the end. I thought it was I thought it was fun. I liked her relationship with Jake's daughter. But I wanted like 10% more. Netflix, that was for free, you know, like... This this is a test of my abilities. I think 10k plus royalties is like a decent task. Call right, me. right. Um, no, I th- I think that's all fair. Um, and and you know what I you know I hope we see more. I hope I hope Lindsay Lohan finds these films enjoyable. Like my my understanding is that like for Hallmark, right, the shooting schedule is like absurd. It's like two weeks or something ridiculous. Well, they got to right? pump because, out like 40 because, of these. Things. Right, exactly. Right, like they just don't have time. But I hope that Netflix is a little bit uh, nicer and it treats its uh, actors better. So you know, I want to see more Lindsay Lohan's. Uh, I want to listen. I think every um, feel-good Christmas movie should have a cinematic universe. I want them all to be tied up. I want um, I want the Vanessa Ann Hudgens to visit her at some point. You know. Oh, they should they should go to to the uh, competitor ski resort in whatever the fucking fake country is. Yeah. Um, all, all universe britain yeah uh i uh yeah and and you know what there were moments where Lindsay lohan like really like got comfortable and, and had a moment where she shined so like i want more of her i'm i'm welcoming miss lohan back on screen i think i i you know i'm excited to, to see more cheesy fun holiday flicks from her but Lindsay mm-hmm. lohan in a fucking easter movie you know what i mean <laughs> God, I wish um, we had more Easter rom-coms. <laughs> I want to meditate Christ's agonizing death and also meet a hot widower who does carpentry. Oh my god. Actually, wait, that's that ties into Jesus a lot. Hold on. Give me give me five minutes and a hundred million dollars. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we could we could get a great that could be the first mortified productions flick. Mm-hmm. Um next we have uh her dad, Beauregard Belmont, who I did in a wide shot think was Harrison Ford for a minute. 
I saw you you cast several different people <laughs> in this film in your notes. Uh, and that would have been an incredible <laughs> film. I want Harrison Ford in this. I want Adam Conover as the love interest. <laughs> right. I want to see this star-studded cast. Yeah, okay, Cordover Street looks like a discount Adam Conover in this movie. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Overstreet, I didn't recognize you. I thought I had a crush on him when I was little. You'd think I would. So is his name really Cord Overstreet? It absolutely is. He comes from the same era of uh, teen, teen star as Sterling Knight. God, sounds like a fucking Friends at the Table ass name. Fucking <laughs> OC in a tabletop game. All right, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Beauregard's fine, right? He he serves the role of like you know, kind of like miserly, like rich guy who who warms up up to the 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 protagonist or the love interest in the end, and you know he has he has a good heart because he wants the best for his kid. Um, he serves his purpose. Yeah, he's also a widower, which I think I'm starting mm. to realize where my anxiety about dying early comes from. It's mm. the fact that in all the media I consume, I consume, there's a lot of widowers per capita. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you, uh, listen, to get a hot, widowed dad, you gotta break a few wives. You're fucking right, ladies. Watch out, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, however, the actual however, star. The actual star. The, our the, bisexual king. Uh, the, man, the man who plays Tad Fairchild put his whole Tadacy into this performance. Right, this is like what you're saying, right? Like, this guy is flamboyant and egregious and, you know, so irritating, like, completely over the top, and he just crushes the role. Crushes. Incredible accessory game, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is obnoxious, he's beautiful, He's he is so polished and shiny and strange and, like, struggles with feeling genuine emotion, and it mm-hmm. is... It is, it's incredible. I, again, more punch-up suggestions. Netflix, hire somebody who works in social media to write your social media-related scripts because there were some of the lines that actually worked and were funny, like when he's, like, getting broken up with by uh, Sierra and he's like, okay, but can I post this on my Instagram because breakups do just, they just crush engagement. Yes, they, they right. really that's, just... that's fair. But all the jokes about, like, trending and, and like, hashtags are a little dated. They're a little dated. Like, I think I think enough of your audience at this point understands social media that maybe we can get somebody who's, I don't know, touched it once in their lives to just, like, do maybe a quick little edit. Maybe we could get Ninja Blevins in here like you also <laughs> thought was in this fucking movie. There was a blue-haired guy getting out of a very expensive car in the opening montage, and I'm like, the only blue-haired guy I know is Ninja. Of course you have blue hair and outdated views on hanging out with women. <laughs> Um, Tyler is his first name, right? Tyler Ninja Blevins. Who gives a shit? <laughs> You're right. Uh, Tad, Tad does great. Um, and I just like, that's one of the reasons that like, he, he does give off like gay vibes the whole time, which like, I was wondering if it was just like, if that was intentional or not, because like, he definitely seemed to have some chemistry with Ralph, the guy who's like, you know, he kind of stumbles into, um, like, you know, he talks about how big his feet are. He, he calls him his savior. He like grabs him by the face and is just like, so effusive in his thanks for, for giving him refuge. And last like, Ralph's gonna fuck this man, and unfortunately that didn't happen, but <laughs> Tad does at the very end, like, meet the um, valet slash, like, personal assistant of, of Sarah, um, and he's just like, so what are you doing for uh, for New Year's King? Uh, and then, like, when, when Jake gives the, gives the confession, um, both uh, Tad and, and Terry are in the, the stretch hummer, 
Uh, and then the window rolls down and Tad's like, oh, buddy, I don't feel the same. And then Terry kind of pokes his head out and he's like, see you later, nerd. <laughs> I'm going to go get laid, uh, which is extremely funny and good. Yeah, no, it was, it was incredible. And like, because he was so flamboyant and so like, quote unquote, queer coded, you know, the whole time, right. it didn't feel like him picking like picking up a guy at the end was a punchline it was not a uh, gasta or what lefou at the end of beauty and the beast right it wasn't just like and now he's gonna dance with a man and it wasn't a punchline right I, I cut you off there but yeah you're right i didn't cut me off it's all good uh but uh yeah it wasn't a punchline it wasn't like fucking lefou disney's 12th first gay character um so you know it's, uh, I, I was grateful for it. It was, it was fun. And also his accessory game was on point. I was obsessed with this brooch at the end scene. Um, I think we should bring brooches back. This movie does it a couple of times. We need to, we need to like, every time we do a Christmas episode, we need to find what the best accessory and just start purchasing them. So we've already got the skeleton hand and now we got to get this brooch. <laughs> We're going to assemble a fucking, um, Final Fantasy ass boss outfit. Oh my uh, god! I got <laughs> the course of this podcast. I used to. I was actually shopping for the skeleton hand for a while after we like tried to find it, and I couldn't find a good one that wasn't either going to turn our hands green or um, fall apart. But I think I might mm. take a second look after we finish recording. <laughs> You know, I, think I, would be very funny. I bet you could just get a like plastic skeleton hand and then get gold spray paint. Um, and then just kind of like make a cheap one. I, that's probably doable. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I think we'll I think you're out. right though. We got to get a Final Fantasy ass Christmas mm-hmm. uh, behemoth We have to have costume. big crowns and big swords and belts as well. Oh, so many belts. Moving on to uh, our our love interest, who I did call discount. Uh, what's his face? Adam, Adam Conover. Just got Adam Conover in my notes. Um, Jake Russell. Uh, Jake is charitable. Jake is a widower. Jake is a dad. Jake runs a homey Airbnb where he gives sleigh rides through the woods and calls in code threes when he finds rich women knocked out on his property. (laughs) Jake fixes his own snowmobiles. Jake runs the toy drive and the town just wouldn't know what to do without him. Yeah, I mean, um, I like Jake. I I think he completely serves his purpose as the charming, uh, you know, charitable, hot uh, love interest who kind of sweeps our our heroine off her feet. Um, I think he has, like, genuinely good interactions with uh, Avi, his daughter. um, Oh, yeah, and and his mom, you know, or his mother-in-law, kind of. Um, You know, they, they both have, like, pretty good relationships um yeah i mean i think he he was completely completely fine even good yeah i'll say he was good i will say um netflix uh did this uh, two or three times in the script but sometimes when him and Lindsay have like little uh, they're not even conflicts friction when they have when they have a little bit of contractually obligated um you say something mean to the person you're interested in so it looks like you're breaking up yeah um he'll bring up her amnesia when he does that and Mm, i think yeah (laughs) i think you get one i think you get one scathing amnesia line and i think that that one should have been when she finally gets picked up by her family i think when when she turns around and she like apologizes and thanks him he says forget about it i think that's the one they should have kept and they should have cut the others the other one was a little mean where he's like you don't know what do you know about making happy memories you have amnesia like hey bro that's uh it's a little far don't you think <laughs> yeah he apologized right away too but i was like well, okay but then when the second time you do it that means your apology doesn't mean anything yeah bro you gotta you gotta back that up but other than that he he was good 
Do you have anything in particular to say about Evie? I thought she was really cute. I mean, like, I think we pointed this out in your notes, but, like, she is very desperate to have a mom for Christmas um, to the point where she is, like, scheming to get Sarah and Jake together. She's just kind of like, you know, like, oh, daddy, I didn't give, I, I used my wish to wish for your happiness aka you need to get married um and like even at the end where you know she's on tv giving the speech and av's just like hey dad i know you wanted you were into that girl did you tell her and and he's like well no i guess i didn't and she's like you fucking idiot you complete mourn you hitch up that one horse open sleigh right now we are going down to the resort i'm not going to spend another christmas motherless do you hear me like <laughs> extremely funny that, that was truly the vibe she is determined to get uh to get a mom she and alejandra unfortunately okay. alejandra it's uh, talk about a star of this film tad absolutely but when tad's not on screen you know who is alejandra and i love every moment she is tearful she is motherly she bought Lindsay lohan a fuck me dress or sorry mm-hmm. a freakum dress beyonce i should have used your word first mm-hmm. she bought she bought Lindsay lohan a freakum dress yeah, she's like, listen, my son-in-law, after my, my daughter passed, my son-in-law has been very sad, and he's been having a little bit of a dry spell, if we're being honest, and it's making him a little moody. Could you help him out? Could you help a brother out for a second? Yeah, and she buys Lindsay Lohan this, like, hot red scalloped mini dress, which, like, when I saw, I was like, I kind of want a hot red scalloped mini dress, <laughs> but then I realized I'm a homebody that doesn't go anywhere, so I don't, like, where would I wear it? Um, I just bought a black midi dress and it's sitting, sitting, sitting in my closet. So, you know what I mean? Um, but she looked great. Uh, and Alejandra, like, I feel like at every turn, there, there is an alternate cut of this movie where Alejandra is just keeping track of Sarah's movements and is just like positioning herself to be like emotionally vulnerable because Sarah walks in on her looking through that memory book. Right, like, I could right. see this that is being a, a This fucking... is entirely staged, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if we had seen that shot five minutes earlier, she'd be like checking her phone and be like, okay, let me just open to the right page and let me get the eye drops in and go, oh, mija, I'm so sorry. I just, <laughs> uh, since my daughter passed. Like... <laughs> well, because they sit there and she's like, Lindsay Lohan's like, oh my God, your daughter was so beautiful. Alejandra grabs her face and it's like, you're beautiful. <laughs> so funny like extremely <laughs> like you know this this is extremely like immigrant mom vibes <laughs> like uh, oh, yeah. there, there isn't a type of like um mom who is who is like this um and i just i love it alejandra's great i think you and i both have one <laughs> my mom is thankfully a little more cloaked about it but still oh yeah mine yeah same uh mine's cloaked but when it comes out it really fucking comes out you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah incredible um we have some honorable mentions on the list here uh ralph again the poaching fisherman mm-hmm. in the hut um, he, he feeds tad beans that he loves them <laughs> just an incredible man uh that actor looked like he was having so much fun yeah uh and then we have uh our good friend terry carver yeah i mean like terry is just kind of a useless personal assistant but like he just kind of shows up and it's just like sierra Miss Belmont, what's going on? You're making your bed. Oh no, I've lost you and I didn't call the cops for four days. Oops. Anyway, I'm going to go get fucked by your ex-boyfriend now. Bye. I wouldn't call him useless. He's got his whole crew trained on hand signals. Did you see them? That's true. He like, he, he's, he's got them tact trained like they're a goddamn SWAT team. Like he like holds up his hand <laughs> and they pause as they're entering her room. So you're right. You're right. I, I'm sorry to, to slander Terry's uh, excellent, excellent training. Yeah, I think Terry, you know, I think I think Terry does an excellent job of getting the glam squad 
in, in <laughs> order. Um, yeah, so those are the characters of this incredible... Incre- oh, well, also honorable mention to the, the random couple that's in every scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is just, like, this random uh, couple who, you know, at first Jake is taking them around on the sleigh, and the dude's just like, oh, man, is that a dead body? I don't want to see a dead body. And the girl's like, yo, I want to see a dead body. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Is, yeah, they're really great. And then they, like, befriend Sarah by the end of, like, I feel like everyone who was staying at this resort really took it well that an amnesiac showed up and then just, like, started to help run things. Mm-hmm. Like, they really accepted her as part of the staff by the end of the four days she was there. Yeah, um, no, it was less, by Thursday, they're just like, oh, hey, actually, I'm at what, 3, uh, 312. Could you send up uh, another plate of uh, those pancakes that you learned to make yesterday? Thanks. It's yeah, so and- funny. Incredible. Um, real small town vibes. Uh, oh, no, it's awesome. Vibes. It's great. Um, and also shout out to real Santa Claus that was in this film. Yeah, Santa Claus is just here. It's not commented on, which I appreciate, um, but the, he is extremely there and explicitly magical, and that rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the other final shout out is to all the fucking tropes in the swamp. Like, that's the thing, right? I was, you know primed for this movie in a way that like i don't think i've been for a lot of the other stuff we've watched because i was just like okay yes we have a sad widower we have somebody who is in a relationship she doesn't really want to be in or need to be in you know we have the, the 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 small town business that's about to you know run out of money we have amnesia we have you know relationships between two women who have bonded with their mother through hair brushing like you know it's truly just like you know everybody at the end of the the day everybody from the small town pulls their money together to to help out the business right and then we have a you know we have a a turn where the person you know leaves because they're not actually going to end up together and at the very end they do get together right it is every single trope and it just kind of made me think like I wonder if romance is such a popular genre because people are one kind of primed and and actually seeking out these tropes in a way that like maybe other genres are not like where where science fiction or or fantasy is more like oh you need to do this thing a certain way otherwise it, it doesn't work whereas romance is more open to being like yeah no I want you to, I want to see these things but I want to see them in a new way um, and I want them you know to be delivered in a new setting. Um, and I just, I just think that like rom-coms and romance especially do employ their tropes really well. And because everybody's just kind of willing to accept them, right. I feel like, you know, people who, who are interested in these kind of romances are much more open to the stuff that we, you know, we, we joke and laugh about, you know, how amnesia is such a common plot point, but like, I think it, you know, it works. Fuck it. Right. Like the ways in which amnesia can, you know, show how a character's personality has changed right like i don't think you should overuse it if you're not working within this mode but like when you're in the mode it works like 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 a charm every time well amnesia is just shorthand for for being able to take a character and say they're going to show their true self and engage with this new person with no none of their baggage so it's just like an easy way to introduce a character and be like oh, like, this character isn't bringing any of their trauma, isn't bringing any of their, like, quirks to this to this relationship. It's just their true and authentic self. And it's, you know, easy for the other character then to also see them as their true and authentic self without any of the trappings of, like, in this movie, Lindsay Lohan being very, very rich. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, she was wearing sunglasses in the scene that Jake <laughs> did run into her, so obviously he didn't recognize her. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah and and with romance like it's comfort food right 
I listen. I'm not here to be like convinced. I'm not gonna go write falling for Christmas fan fiction after this. You know what I mean? And like romance as a genre is like very, very varied because you can have like very compelling, like specifically romance stories with like big beautiful plots surrounding them and that's fine but you can also have hallmark and the two can live in harmony because sometimes i don't have the emotional bandwidth to process um the tragic romance of she who became the sun right i don't have that in me sometimes i want to watch Lindsay lohan kiss court over street and have amnesia because it's comfort food um and I think that's great. I'll watch it forever. Yeah, plop the same shit in different settings. I don't care. Um, give me 20 more Princess Switches. Like, mm-hmm. I truly... I think Princess Switch... I think the new iteration should be the, the you know the daughter of the American guy. And she should have a twin. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, start it all over again. Like, it's, it's delicious and timeless. And... Um, you know, I think it's okay to want to watch the same thing in a different setting if you're just looking for, like, easy comfort, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%. Um, so, I think so. that concludes our coverage of Falling for Christmas. And yeah, go watch it. It's good. Yes, you should watch it. Um, but as is mortified tradition, we are going to, once again, close out our episode by doing a end-of-year bracket we're not going to do quite as long of a one as we have done in previous years, just because that um, could take some time. Uh, I didn't have time to watch all of them, usually. Actually, I did listen to all of the ones. We have eight, our top eight episodes of the season, um, and I think we're going to have them square off here. Uh, they are uh, in no particular order. Actually, I think this is in no particular order. <laughs> uh, we're going to have Wolf Anglo-Saxon Protestant, which is Alpha and Omega. Isha is an iPad kid, Iron Widow. Aaron and Layla, comma, Mushu Haters, which was our Disney Speak Cool Spectacular. Can someone tell us if Kuroko is dead, which is our sports anime sampler. Legumentine's Day Special, Hatofu Boyfriend. 238 works in Luke, Hobbs, slash Deckard Shaw, uh, MM, which is our Hobbs and Shaw episode. The Era of Wet and Pathetic, parentheses, Internet Hot Boy Retrospective, we did for Scorpio season. And, of course, the Xenosaga Trilogy episodes, uh, 87, 91, 94, where we covered the Xenosaga franchise. I'm honestly surprised the Xenosaga Trilogy ended up here, but I think you've had enough distance (laughs) to So no, because I so I went I went back and I listened to them, and I don't think it's going to get very far, uh, but I do want to talk about it. So let's start with our our first bracket round one. We're going to put up um, Disney sequel spectacular versus Xenosaga trilogy, uh-huh. and I think it's pretty clear for me personally that Disney sequel uh, goes on ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was fucking hysterical. But I want to talk about the Xenosaga trilogy real quick because I think a theme that we had in these episodes, a lot of these episodes we're going to talk about right now is trying to find the core of what made it good or what the you know creator was trying to do. And we worked our asses off, like trying to like bring up Nietzschean philosophy and trying to bring in other tropes, like considering the design constraints, how this was supposed to be six games as opposed to um, three. Right. And we were like, just, you know, despite the fucking, unending text about fucking realians and albedo and negredo and little master and all his fucking names like 
we really tried to get at the core of what makes these games interesting. And I, I think that like trying to work through Xenosaga made kind of set the scene for us being better critics throughout the year. So thank you, Xenosaga Trilogy, for that. Also, I would like to point out that Xenogears, th- or sorry, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 mm-hmm. was on the GOATI list for uh, the Game Game Awards this year. Um, and those games are related. Like, Cosmos is in Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> as a cameo. So, maybe like, we should play Xeno- Xenoblade Chronicles. Yes. Okay, we can't do it for this podcast, our... but I mean, we no, could. No, not as, for this like, podcast. People. For fun, yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry, me working in games does put limitations yeah, listen, on our content. <laughs> no, no. I think that was actually announced in one of these episodes that you that we were like gonna take a step away from games. Uh, but yeah. uh, so let's talk about Hobbs and Shaw versus Hatofu Boyfriend um what do you which one do you think was and i don't know what we're describing as better i feel like the one that we kind of think is like either the best episode for a new person to listen to or the one we had the most fun doing i was really just matter. like fun honestly okay. um, um because that's usually that usually dovetails with something that might be a good entry point yes that's a good point um do you have do you have opinions on Hobbs and Shaw or How to Have a Boyfriend? Oh, the Hobbs and Shaw one was so fucking funny is the problem. So I think that's fair. I do think that the Legumentine's Day special should go on because it is oh. a, a great example of what you were talking about with Xena Saga, which is just us doing our very best trying to engage with absurd content <laughs> yes i think it's also just a hilarious episode because i got all the fucking joke slash evil routes <laughs> and you got all the normal routes just like by sheer happenstance and we were just like this is of an era like we also spent a lot of time contextualizing it of like this was you know like pre-gamergate but like in that era of internet we're like making silly um visual novels was the thing and like us bringing that kind of conversation about how this is a you know a thing uh, a product of its time i really kind of like that conversation about how us just being like this doesn't work for us but we get why ex- it exists yeah so is that one do you agree is that one moving on i think so yeah okay um, moving on but shout outs to, to hobbs and shaw and their 230 230- I, I forgot until I re-listened to the episode that somebody wrote uh, over a million, a half a million word fanfic about Hobbs and Shaw, which is fucking bonkers. Uh, maybe, oh God, there's, there's a part of me that was about to suggest, like, if we ever had a Patreon, I would love to do like a drunk reading of some of it, but honestly, like, I don't a want A million people... and a half words? Absolutely the fuck not. Not the no. whole thing, <laughs> just like, just like a couple, but like a hundred words. But at the same time, I never want anybody who writes fan fiction to feel like I'm making fun of them because I never yeah. am. Uh, so. Yeah. But still, extremely funny. Um, so let's go to the other side. Um, Internet Hot Boys versus Alpha and Omega. I'm going to vote Alpha and Omega here. My brother in Christ, those movies, were, they, they unlocked something in our brains. We, ha- we had quite a... Con- I don't think the conversation was nearly as interesting as our Internet Hot Boy one. But it is a funny conversation, which does give it a lot of points. Plus, we were both... I, I was pretty drunk during the Internet Hot Point 1. Uh, I was not, regrettably. My body just, like, refuses to engage with alcohol for some reason. But, like, 
Uh, man, Alpha and Omega did something chemically to me watching no, it. I, I think Alpha and Omega advances. I do want to say for Internet Hot Boy, we got our first piece of fan art from it. Shoutouts to Ange, Shout uh, to which Ange. is an incredible piece of art that just says, do you understand the appeal of the triangle? Shaped like Bill from Gravity Falls. It's uh, so thank you. Thank you, Ange, for that. Um, so... This next one, Iron Widow versus Sports Sampler. I think this is a tough one, but I mm-hmm. think Iron Widow advances just because it hit you in such a specific way. I would agree. Just uh, it, it is very substantive and it is very funny, but I will. I do want to give Kuroko some flowers because, like, yeah, I, me and you love a good sports anime. No, uh, the everything uh, about Kuroko and um, Yomoshi Pitta was so fun for us, right? Like the fact that one. Every time that a new Kuroko episode came on, it was the, the, the thing was titled "The Basketball Which Kuroko <laughs> Plays," which is a hysterical translation. Um, and then just like the main character of Yomu, she was just so endearing, just like a fucking weeb who accidentally got good at cycling, and we 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 loved that. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, love love all of that for for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, back to back to the other side in the semifinals. It's uh, Aaron and Layla Mushu haters versus the Legumentine's Day special. I think it's Mushu haters. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Legumentine's Day was fun, but we mm, we did some work during the Mushu haters episode, and we'll we'll talk about that for the final round. Um, semifinals: Alpha and Omega v v Iron Widow. Ooh, hard. Ooh, that's hard. a tough one hard uh god just we spent so much time explaining the metaphor of how howling equi- equates to sex in a weird way in the alpha and omega universe in a very blatant way what are you saying yeah <laughs> no just like and i was like this wasn't a film for and then we did the oh the statistical analysis of the sequels oh that was really good too yeah i'm sorry i did i love the iron widow i think it's a great book but as far as <sighs> episodes that really unlocked a different dimension in our brains i do think alpha and omega has to advance <sighs> I, I don't know. Iron Widow. The thing is that I think of every media property we talked about this year, Iron Widow was like the only one that was a slam dunk for you in like a major way. Like, I, I don't know that we've ever talked about something except for like maybe Kingdom Hearts. Like, I think Iron Widow for you was like equivalent to um, what was the one that I that I still obsessed with. I'm going to kick myself because I know... Not it's Carmen San Diego. Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts yeah, is what oh, I'm Jesus talking about. Jesus Christmas. God, okay. that took so long. Um I think that right, you had like you loved Iron Widow in a way that I love uh Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. And like yeah. I don't I don't want to discount that. Like I and you know, I think this is up to you because it was your emotional reaction, but like listening through this again, like I was struck by how much you were just like, no, Iron Widow is like me talking about the patriarchy and just being like, this is what I was like before you know, I, I realized that I had to just fucking step on people, otherwise they would step on me. And, like, it does kind of... I was just kind of like, oh, wow, Layla is really engaging with this text in, in a meaningful and serious way because of the ways in which they have had to live their life. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that book hit hit home real, real fucking hard. Oh, this is tough, isn't it? Um, hmm. You know what, though? So, yes, the text hit me really hard, but I think... I think, uh, regrettably, if I'm going for how much fun I had talking about mm-hmm. something, I do think mm-hmm. Alpha and Omega was it. Alpha Iron Omega Widow was... unlocked shrimp emotions in me. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not fun to see the fourth dimension. Um, 
Shout outs to uh, Iron Widow. I cannot wait for the sequel, the, the end of the duology next year, where, where we'll find out whether or not it's aliens or just some guys. Um, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, now it is. Uh, Disney sequel spectacular versus Alpha and Omega. I mean, I think I think it's still the sequel spectacular. It was pretty fun. It was. Pr- Listen, if we're talking about passion, me mm-hmm. talking about the inherent racism of Pocahontas too. <laughs> yes, one hundred. Like, you know, the <laughs> we got into a huge, not an actual huge argument, but like us just like having this debate about what Pocahontas two is about, and just like this you you go on this insane not insane like <laughs> impassioned screen for like five minutes and i'm just kind of sitting there like you know they're not wrong uh, <laughs> uh, i felt so bad after that because you were like well i can't argue with that i was like oh whoops <laughs> i mean i wasn't going to i don't think you made any incorrect points like i don't care that much about pocahontas too um but like i think we do so much good work in that episode and it kind of like it was one it was our, our 100th episode which was also something to be celebrated but like we watched five movies um two of which were th- three of which were dog mm, two of Two, two of which were watchable, three of which, one of which was okay, and the rest, other two were awful. Oh, uh, shit films, just um, two just, awful just like movies. the thing, the stuff we said about Mushu, the things <laughs> that we want to do to that dragon after Mulan too. Um, but like, ugh, I think it's really some of our best work as far as like engaging with the text and trying to talk about how they they relate to the sequels and how how the you know the the Disney sequel phenomenon um, was built in the in the you know um, late '90s, early 2000s, and like. I think it's honestly like some of our best like examples of us trying to use critic brain um, and also having a very fun time just being like, okay, so we have to have two separate musicals going on at the same time. And one of (laughs) Aladdin's going to fly over on his carpet and go (laughs) into Paris. And that's where he's going to get the jewels and also drop flowers. Um, And I think that's kind of what the best thing that this podcast does is pitch insane shit that would kick ass. Um, absolutely. So I think that's what I'll do for the two weeks that we're off. I think I'm going to um, rerun that episode next week, and then I'll rerun one of the Christmas ones for Christmas. I think um, that's a good idea. And then we'll come back, uh, talk about Avatar 2 with the water. Jesus Christ. Which some people are saying is good, so who the fuck knows? Who truly who the fuck knows? We're gonna find we're gonna go in there with open hearts um, and open minds. And I did I did find for Aaron um, a little treat uh and at target that has to do with the marketing <laughs> campaign for this film and i have not told oh, him what it is um, but i'm sure we'll post pictures on the mortified feed when we yeah. um when we go on a discovery journey together of what's actually inside the thing that i bought yeah that'll be that'll be something cannot wait for that um but yes disney sequel spectacular is our mortified uh episode of the year we've done 44 episodes if you include uh actually this might no, this is this is our forty fourth episode this year. Um, still doing great. Um, you know we're considering on tra- the year we've had. We, we moved. We both had very bad times. Um, multiple times. You know, we that's less than ten episodes missed. We're we're out here doing the fucking work, folks. Um, so thank you all for for coming to the end of the year episode. Uh, I hope that we have provided you some enjoyment. Uh, as much enjoyment uh, as making this podcast has given me, uh, because it's a great time. It is a great time. I'm glad to be on the fourth year. Can you believe that? Season this? four. Christ! Oh, my <laughs> lord. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. I am so excited to be on this journey with you. Next year, once again, we'll celebrate our uh, our anniversary in June. Um, we'll hit episode 150, which is 
insane bonkers uh you know we'll do our scorpio season as per usual it'll be it'll be great uh, again it'll be in a slightly new format just just a little more streamlined um but otherwise same old same old again if you have content suggestions for us mortifiedpod at gmail.com if you want to write us an end of year message um if you want to uh, give us a call and leave us a voicemail <clears throat> you're always welcome to do that on our hotline uh which is 775-573-8882 there you go and uh you know thanks everybody for for listening tell your friends about this podcast uh aaron and i will be in the meat space for new year's um Mm. you know uh having fun hanging out it'll be a time uh but until then what shall we leave our listeners with uh to ring out the the 2022 season forget about it (laughs) happy new year listeners we'll see you all in 2023